I'm Heidi Harris. Welcome to the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do this three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You can subscribe at iTunes. You can also listen to my live weekday show at 670 AM KMZQ in Las Vegas. And you can also check out my website, HeidiHarris.com. You can subscribe to my newsletter, all that good stuff. Keep up with me at social media, HeidiHarris.com. Well, as everybody knows, a horrible massacre occurred October 1st in Las Vegas. A madman by the name of Stephen Paddock killed 58 people, wounded hundreds more. It was a terrible blight on our nation, a blight on our city, a horrible event that we're still trying to recover from. And Metro Police has been leaking information in dribs and drabs. When I say leaking, I mean that the media has requested a lot of information, autopsy reports and witness reports and that kind of stuff. And Metro, by some accounts, has not been as forthcoming as they should on some of these things. By other accounts, the sheriff said, hey, listen, it takes manpower, it takes money, hours to get this stuff released. You know, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. But most recently, there's been a video that's appeared finally been released, that shows a police officer, who was a training officer, in fact, almost 10 years on the department, with a trainee and some Mandalay Bay security guys hanging out in the hallway, hearing rapid gunfire, yet being too afraid to approach. And the police officer admitted later on that he was just in fear of approaching. Now, we don't know if him running into the room would have stopped anything. He probably would have lost his life. We don't know if any lives would have been saved, but a lot of people are calling him a coward. I reserve judgment on this because I'm not a police officer. I'm not trained tactically. I don't know what the protocol would be in that situation. So I wanted to get an expert. Randy Sutton is here, 34 years in law enforcement. He's an author, he's a spokesperson for Police Matters, and he's been a little bit tough on this police officer. Randy Sutton, welcome back to The Heidi Hare Show. It's always a pleasure to be on your show, Heidi. Now, I know you've been following this closely. I know you heard about this video before you saw it. What was your first impression when you saw it, putting your cop mind and your training and all of that into that situation? What was the first thing that went through your head? Well, you know, I've been following this since the since the night that it happened. I mean, I was I was uh, very much a part of the of the uh, broadcasting about this on the on that night and then following up. And of course, you know, it's a it, it's personal to me. I mean, Metro lost one of their own officers and and a, a really good cop uh, in that in that murderous rampage. And so, and I know a lot of the officers who who were involved in this. And the the reality is this. When it, you can't compare it to Parkland at all, because the, um, the the Parkland debacle was a systemic failure on a lot of different levels, not just one officer not going in. It was systemic uh, from the leadership on down. And for, and for those who are not aware, we're talking about the Parkland shooting in Florida when Nicholas Cruz went up there and shot up the school. There was a police officer and uh, so, what do they call him? The resource school officer. Resource officer. Yeah. He was a deputy. He was a deputy with the Broward County Sheriff's. And he's hiding behind cars and things like that instead of going in to try to find out what's happening. Right. Right. And, the, and there was there was a lot more to that. Um, so you, then you compare it to what happened in Las Vegas. The the law enforcement response was tremendous. Um, the, the, the amazing heroism and bravery shown by first responders, by Metro Police, by FD and, and, and uh, other first responders was incredible. Um, I personally know of, of incredible acts of heroism. Uh, by by a number of different officers. And even by the civilians who were throwing people in their trucks yeah, to get them to the it, hospitals. I mean, this town came together. You know, a lot of people say we have no soul, but we sure show we had a lot of heart. Yeah, absolutely. It, that absolutely. night and in the, in the weeks afterward, it was amazing what the, what the people did who were there. 
But then we have this situation with the the one officer who, uh, and I was aware of some of this early on because um, I had actually been contacted by this officer's wife who was telling me how how heroic her husband was and and I had and I got a distinctly different story, shall we say? So this is the wife of Cordell Hendricks, who was the officer you see farthest to the left, closest to the shooting. Correct. That's the, okay. Correct, that's right, the right. you. So you heard from his wife. Right, and and I just assumed that what you know the information I was getting was uh, was accurate, and I I came out. In fact, on my radio program, I talked about it um, that uh, that this officer you know acted appropriately. Um, now, based on the information based you on the have, information I, right, and of course, you know, this is a very fluid situation. Of course. Um, now, then, all of this, you know, due to the lawsuits filed against the police department that ordered uh, the department to uh, come forth with reports and with um, with the with the body cam video. Um, now, you know, everything started dripping and drabbing out. Yeah, so let's back up a little bit. Do you think that Metro was aware of this video? I mean, let me back up. Of course they were. But how soon after the event do you think Metro was aware of this video and wasn't released until very recently? I think because of the critical position that he was in, they were probably aware of it early on. Uh, I mean, this is, I mean, he was there. He was in the building doing, was, they were writing up girls for trespassing, right? Correct, or something right. with he, and let, let's back up a second. Cordell Hendricks is the police officer who was also a field training officer. Correct. And he had a trainee with him and they were just going through, you know, normal stuff that you do, you know, write up girls for trespassing in yeah. casinos and whatever it might be. So they just happened to be there. In the hallway, what we see is we see Mr. Hendricks, the officer. We also see, it looks like a Mandalay security guard. There's actually several security guards. Okay, but you see the one mainly, and they're armed, but they're just wearing a a suit jacket. They're not wearing any kind of armor or anything like that, right? Right, They're they're armed security, and um, uh, whether they, I I didn't see any any, uh, body armor on them. Of course, the the officers have body armor because it's part of the the, uh, uniform now. Um, But what happened was, and, and, and I also... You know, as I got more interested in this because of, of all the conjecture and, 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 of course, if I could defend, you know, a law enforcement officer for their actions, that's what I do. Of course. In fact, that's, I mean, when I do commentary, you know, on the national news, I consider myself somewhat of a translator. You know, I take, I look at, at what, what took place and I try and, and make it make sense to people who are not part of the law enforcement community. Why did that officer do that? Why did this action take place? So, of course, I was looking at it critically from that point of view. And then I read the officer's report that he prepared, and and I was stunned. That's the only word I can use. I was stunned at this officer's report. And then the body cam footage came out, and the reality is that he was on the 31st floor, one floor down, he was aware that the shooting was still taking place, and according to his own words, and I mean, I didn't, I can't make, I'm not making it up. This is from his own words. He froze. He was scared. And you know what? Fear is a natural, normal reaction to uh, to a, a deadly situation. There isn't a cop I know that hasn't been scared. Of course. It's and it it's it's. It's nothing to be ashamed of, to be frightened. If you're not, there's something wrong. Right, but with you, you can't be you can't be frozen in fear. Not well, when you're a police officer. You're a, now, this officer is a leader. He's a he's a training officer. It's one of the most critical 
jobs on the entire police department because you are literally training people to survive and to act um, as, as a professional law enforcement officer. So the, the trainee isn't going to make any decisions without a training officer. The Bandley Bay security people aren't going to make any decisions. Yeah, they're waiting for Metro because they're, Metro right. takes the lead so on these kind of things. So he's got he's in a position to now listen. No one here's here's the reality about about critical incidents like this. No one knows how they're going to react until it happens. How could you? Because you can train and believe me, Metro's one of the best trained police departments in the country. You can train and train and train until you actually face the dragon. You don't even know how you're going to act. Right. And so what, unfortunately, um, how this officer described his his own reaction to this was he he didn't do anything, basically. He just hunkered down. And while the... And, and listen, if there if the action had already been done, if there was if there was no more firing going on, then you know in in reality it probably wouldn't have made any difference. But because he still heard the rapid fire taking place, that means that there that this could have this could have changed the course of what took place. Yeah. Now, do we know how long after the shooting started? Because we know the shooting went on for about about, about ten minutes, right? Right. Start and to finish. Couple, it was referred to as a couple minutes. Okay, so the shooting was a couple. Do we? So, so Cordell Hendricks was in the hallway a couple of minutes after the shooting started. We don't know. Do we have any idea how much time had transpired between the time the shooting started and the time that he was in the hallway? Uh, a few minutes. Okay, so p- still there was still several minutes of shooting, is what yes. Stephen Paddock was still going to do. Is what Correct. you're saying? So it right. could have been somewhere in the middle. We don't know. Yeah, it was probably you know you know I think from the from the report. Um, it went on for just a couple more minutes before it ended. Right. So, but that's a, that's the critical point. You yeah. know, you hear the how many people were shot because hundreds and hundreds of people were obviously thousands of bullets were sent out. Hundreds of people were wounded, so we have no idea how many people potentially could have been shot while Officer Hendricks was in the hallway not doing anything. Now there 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 have been all kinds of um, experts, quote experts, talking about this. A lot of lawyers uh, because now there's lawsuits. You know, right now. I do not believe that the Metropolitan Police Department is liable for anything here. You, yeah, I don't think they're at fault. There's all kinds of talks about Sue and Metro. Um, it's a, it, there's there's absolutely it's nonsense. You know, it, if they're hoping for a payday, you know, and 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 ro- you know Metro to roll over, I don't think it's going to happen. Right, because to your point, I don't care how much training you have. When it comes right down to it, do you have what it takes to face the dragon or not? And he didn't. It wasn't a lack of training that his, was his problem. No, it, it was it was an instantaneous reaction to a, to um, a, an incredibly dangerous situation. Not everybody, not everybody acts um, with you know the selflessness that is required because you know that the op, that the there's a very strong possibility you are risking your life right now here's the other part of this there's there are a thousand court decisions about officers responsibilities a police officer does not have to risk their life you don't have to jump into a, a, a raging river and try to pull somebody out or any of that kind of, you're not obligated legally to do correct. that correct but i've certainly seen videos where they're doing that exactly and here's the thing you know i've heard from you know, i can't even tell you how many cops i've talked to about this and everyone 
that I have talked to said, I would give anything to have been in that position. Right. What could they have done? They were one floor below, and they would have had to take the elevator up, obviously not knowing if the elevator, someone was going to be waiting to shoot them when they got on the elevator or take the stairs. They didn't know where, right? Did they know exactly which room it was in, or they assumed at that time, but they weren't sure, correct? Uh, I don't think they knew exactly which room, but they, they heard they heard the, the gunfire. Um you know, the only way to probably know that was to go up to there well, right. and, and listen to, okay, where's the, where's it coming from? And you know what? It, it, if he, if, if they had acted and they, and they rushed to this 32nd floor and they, and they went down the hallway to figure out where it was, that enough time may have elapsed where it wouldn't have made any difference right, anyway. Probably. We don't know this. We can't forecast what the future is. Yeah. And if you think you can get through a casino that fast or a hotel that fast, you haven't been in one that large. So it, a lot of well, they're, I mean, they're they were up there on the floor, right? But there. but they were one floor below, and still you've got to go either get stairs or something else right. and try to figure out which door it's coming from and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it may it. I mean, what we're what we're conjecturing about uh, is is one of those things that we're we'll never know the answer to. Yeah. What, what would have mm-hmm. his actions have saved lives? We just don't know. Correct. Now, you know, but once again, you know, the 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 criticism is well, maybe it could have. And, oh, and it's then, a big word, though, know, isn't it? It is. It's a huge word, and and, and a, a, as as difficult a topic as it is, this is about the actions of an individual officer, um, who uh, who will now have to live with his decision making uh, for the rest of his life. Right. And and you know, I can tell you, this is. I have been in the position where. These were life and death decisions, and you you live with the ramifications of those decisions. I mean, listen, I I I have I have um, you know been involved in critical incidents where lives have been taken, and you live with the you live with your decision whether you chose to act or not, and um, and I can tell you that. That it's a this is not something to be taken lightly. It's tough either way. I have a friend who just shot somebody who's been a police officer for twenty something years. First time he's ever had actually had to kill somebody, but it was a suicide by cop. Very clearly a suicide by cop. Mm-hmm. But you still you don't want to ever ever have to kill someone in the course of, the, of duty, regardless of whether they were begging for it or not. Well, you know, if if you if you, if you do, then you're in the wrong line of work, right? Because. Uh, you know, if if that's, you know, a lot of guys, there's a lot of bravado out there, you know, and if, if that if uh, if that was me, I'd have done this, I'd have done that, and the reality is, until you face it, you don't know. No, you don't really know. And, and, and so, you know, a lot of the a lot of the bravado that you hear, you just want to tune it out and just say, hey, you know what? Um, let me know after you face the after yeah, you, after you face the drive. That's true. Uh, this particular police officer is still on the force. Oh yeah, yeah. I, and I he's need... not been disciplined, as far as we know, for anything. Not that I'm aware of. Because I... he's not done. He's not violated company policy, the department policy, right? That we know they're, of. They're, they're. I am absolutely sure that they are reviewing the actions to determine whether or not there was any policy violation. Um, I'm not seeing it at this point. So, but then again, I, I'm not. I'm not privy to all the details. No, yeah, nobody is. And I, I do want to address one thing, and I know that there are people who are very critical of the sheriff, and they think the sheriff's hiding something, and they believe that since October 1st. And, and I've got to tell people on both sides of the aisle, by the way, 
I, I recently gave a speech and I had some people, one woman said to me, I, I wanted to throw something at her. She, st- she stood up and she says, well, why haven't we heard anything since October 1st? And I said, did you read the report? No. A uh, pretty thick report came out a couple months ago. Where were you? I mean, that's not everything. Obviously, and the RJ had to sue for additional stuff. But come on, you've not even read that. Don't say nothing's come out. And pe- people just tried to dismiss the fact that it cost Metro a lot of man hours to produce all these documents and all that kind of stuff. I, Based on all the cops I know, and obviously you know far more than I ever will, I don't think the sheriff's been lying or trying to hide the truth about this, what happened and you know the fact that it was Stephen Paddock and not multiple shooters. What do you hear? I don't. I don't think that he's. Uh, I don't think that he's trying to cover up that kind of thing. I don't think there's a conspiracy. I think that. I think that the the simple answer is that it was one wacko guy, who um, who completely off the radar, um, uh, committed this this despicable massacre. Um, now, I think that I think it shouldn't have taken a Supreme Court decision to force Metro to. Be a lot more transparent. Right. I think I think that that's a that was a ridiculous thing to take place. They should have been much more. Um, they should have been much more transparent. So you feel like they just weren't forthcoming with the reports and things like that. You you don't buy the excuse that it cost a lot of man hours and time no, and I, effort. Oh, no. You don't buy that at all. No, I, I'm sure it did, but that's the responsibility. Right. That's I mean the the media has a job. And listen, you know that I'm very critical of the media very very often, but. They do play a very, very important role, and and that the the metro sometimes um, really drops the ball when it comes down to media relations, and uh, I mean they have some some really good officers that are up there, but I I can tell you that I I've seen I've seen the the office of public information uh, I I think that they're high handed, and if you don't um, if you don't follow the party line, they they will, will very often not cooperate with with the various media outlets. Mm, that makes it very difficult to try to get information because, as taxpayers, we're entitled to get information. Exactly, and, and I mean, and there has been nothing. This is the biggest. This is the biggest case in in the history of of our nation right. as far as mass murder goes. So, and, and I I don't think that I don't think that. That they purposefully were trying to hide some type of conspiracy. I mean, you look at the sheriff. You see him day two, day three. The guy looked like he hadn't slept in 72 hours. I mean, that's not a guy who's lying. That's kind of the impression I got, just based on that, plus other stuff. Well, I think that he I think he gave a lot of information that was inaccurate. Mm-hmm. And that fueled some of this, some of the crazy conspiracy theories. Right, but how do you know? In a timeline, a lot of people were picking about the right, timeline, right, and they were right. picking at every little detail. And I'm not, I, I, I'm not here to defend the sheriff one way or the other, but there are a lot of things that you just don't know. As you mentioned, in a mass yes. casualty incident, a huge crime scene that not only was there, but also other places when the victims were taken away and things like that, that's a lot to get your arms around to be able to give everybody an accurate accounting of every single minute in a short period of time, and that's what the media was clamoring for. Yes. Yeah, and 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 of course, there, there's it's a huge, confusing ball of of information. So I a I, moving you know, ball, by the way, as yeah. as, as you know, so I, as I, the I, I, underst- I understand how mistakes can be made, and, and uh, now there was some aftermath, which which is to, to in my mind um, unconscionable. The fit team is a small unit that, that handles um, 
officer-involved shootings and major uses of force. So homicide, of course, they're the homicide unit is are the experts in um, in investigating murders. The the responsibility for investigating the biggest mass murder in United States history was taken away from the homicide unit and given to this fit team. It's a it's a mind-boggling decision, and it it had a, a very dramatic effect on the morale of the uh, of the homicide unit and. Um, and I, I can tell you that that shock. They were shocked. Um, they were insulted. Uh, you know, and it's 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 and it was it was so confusing to them to be taken off of this case. Right. That that some of them, you know, when they they talked about it, and and the media found out about it. Now they didn't. Uh, shockingly, the media didn't make a big deal of this. Well, maybe they didn't understand the ramifications, or they didn't Could understand. Be. They didn't understand how important it was. For me, I, my first thought as a civilian would be, well, maybe homicides buried, so they gave this to a specialized team who could do this. But the fit team, as you mentioned, that's not their specialty. Homicide. Correct. Uh, their their specialty is is officer involved, officer involved shootings. And as we went to break, you were talking about the the uh, autopsies and things like that. If how many right. people are on the fit team, do we even know? Um, I, I don't know. I think it's I, it's five or six. Okay, so it's small not, group of people. Big, trying it's to... not a big unit. Okay. And uh, you know, homicides are are they're they're the most critical investigation that you could possibly have. So you want the experts doing it. So you know, and here here's the other the, where where this really is shadowy is that. While the initial investigation was taking place, we didn't know if there were more people involved. We didn't know if there was, uh, you know, if he had co-conspirators that were, you know, providing him with, with uh, aid. You know, there could have been other prosecutions that came from this. There could have been. There haven't been. But there could have been. And so. I still think the girlfriend knew more than she's telling, but apparently they decided that she didn't. So yeah. I, I, I mean, I have no idea. But the. the this is what my point is that you have to cross all your T's and dot all your I's on a homicide investigation. If there had been additional conspirators in this, the actions of, of the investigation would have played a huge factor in prosecution. And that's important. And we would know that by, ba- obviously, based on the trajectory of the bullets, different type of ammo use, things like that would indicate if there were additional shooters, correct? I mean, that those are some of the things they'd yeah, look for. Yeah, no, I'm sure that, you know, that that's that was all part of it. Yeah. You know, you needed to, it's, you know, such a, a complicated investigation. Sure. And they had, you know, they had help from the FBI, which, you know, their forensics um, is is amazing. And they, the crime scene stuff is incredible. Uh, but when it comes down to it, you want the experts, uh, the homicide cops, investigating Obviously. the homicide. Obviously. So I, yeah. it, it, this is one of those things that I'm, I've been very critical of. Um, and um, I continue to be because I still get information that, that um, you know, especially that then you, then you turn around and you sick internal affairs on, on the homicide cops. For complaining about being taken off the case. Interesting. And um, all that did was demoralize them even more. 
Yeah, you know, there was a report that came out, I'm sure you saw, the FBI did a report on active shooters. They studied active shooters between the year 2000 and 2013. This just came out. Well, there was not one that came out not too long ago, and then they just kind of reevaluated and they looked at the behavior of active shooters prior to this. And they saw that in every single case, most of them didn't have any prior major criminal things. They just went crazy one day and did something, or they planned it. And another thing that was kind of interesting was they said that in every case, in every case, somebody knew something and didn't. And that doesn't mean Friday I'm going to shoot up a casino or whatever day of the week. No, that doesn't mean that. But in every case, somebody saw something that later on they went, hmm. And I thought that was kind of interesting, which makes you wonder about Stephen Paddock. I still think the girlfriend needs something. I, you know, listen, I'm not going to convict her. They decided she didn't, but I'd know if somebody was amassing that many weapons that I lived with. Just saying. So we, we really will never know his motivation. No, I don't think we ever will. I think that's his last. I think that's his last uh, screw you to us. Is we'll never know. Yeah, that is probably the truth. We'll probably never know why Stephen Paddock killed 58 people and himself in that horrible massacre in Las Vegas. We will stay on top of it as more information comes out. We'll definitely talk about it with folks who know more about it than I do. Like I said, I didn't want to jump to criticize these police officers until I had more information. But when you talk to somebody like Randy Sutton, who's been in law enforcement, it was for 34 years, and talks about law enforcement and speaks and trains on law enforcement to this day, Those are the kind of guys whose opinions matter to me. Not mine as a civilian, because I don't know what the training is, but they do. And, of course, the goal for everybody is to try to prevent the next one. By the way, in my brand-new book, Don't Pat Me on the Head, I have a chapter about the Las Vegas massacre and some various things that you may not have heard about, so check it out at Don't Pat Me on the Head. It's the book. You can get it at Amazon or HeidiHarris.com. Don't forget to join me weekdays live for my show from Las Vegas, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. at 6.70 a.m. KMZQ. On Monday's podcast, what has happened to men? Where have they gone spiritually? You hardly see them in church anymore. Or if they're there, they're dragged by their wives or they're not really taking the lead. We'll talk to a pastor who is hell-bent on trying to get these men back on track. And on today's live show at 6.70 a.m. KMZQ, 9 a.m., there's new information about who killed Tupac Shakur. We'll talk to the homicide detective who investigated that murder back in the day. Join me for the Heidi Harris Show weekdays, 9 to 10 a.m. at 6.70 a.m. KMZQ. And, of course, this podcast three times a week at Heidi Harris Show Podcast. And you can pick it up at iTunes. Have I exhausted you yet? (laughs) Maybe. Until we meet again, remember, you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scottwell. (laughs) 